Well, good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. It is really good to see all of you. We've been welcoming one another, so I hope that you've been made to feel welcome. We love to have um, guests, especially if you need some more information about our church. There's a card there in the pew or a QR code on the back. I actually had a dream the other night. I keep having these church dreams. That's the curse of a pastor where I said, take out your phone and let me show you how to do a QR code. And we all did it together. I may have to do that one day, but don't forget the Wednesday night meals. We had an incredible meal Wednesday night for $5. You can't beat it. And so um, I encourage you to sign up for that by tomorrow. Um, you can call the office or you can do the QR code there and, um, and you can sign up. A couple things for you. Um, one, in your worship guide, there's the weekly prayer guide. Our Annie Armstrong Easter offering is up, coming up. So let's make sure that we're giving to it. And you'll hear more about that in the days to come. But this is a way for you to pray for our North American missionaries. Also... Um, March 17th, um, during the 1040 worship service, we're starting our special needs Sunday school class. Um, Chris has asked that if, um, if anyone from really first grade through 12th grade, if you know someone, if you have a child in that category, or if you have a neighbor who has a child in that category, please let us know. We have a form, and you can see it inside the email where you can fill that out so we can know a little bit more about the child and then be able to um, offer the services we need. But Dan and Paulina, Paulina Gillen are going to be um, leading it with Tina Stallings. Uh, they're going to be the permanent teachers, and then there'll be several other people there helping them. And so I would encourage you, you can come to this service, come to worship, go to Sunday school, and then also if you want to stay and help in that class, it would be great. But we would appreciate you reading the, 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 the note about it and, and, and paying attention to how you can get involved in that ministry. You can see the other things that we have there as well. So are you ready to worship today? Y'all come on in. Everybody's standing waiting on me to quit talking. So, uh, but um, we are really glad you're here. And, um, and so our, we have a brand new call to worship. And so let me, um, comes out of the book of Revelation. Let me give you a chance just to look at that as everyone's finding a seat and get ready to read it. And, um, and we're going to read it out loud together in just a moment. But... Um, Josh needs to go down a little bit. Him who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures said amen. amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. This is the word of the Lord. And while I'm preaching, if you want to join in with the elders and say amen, that'd be okay. Amen. Let's continue our worship. Amen. Join our voices in worship, singing Kiss So Sweet, the trust in
morning. Good morning. This morning's reading is from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And Jesus said, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the word of the Lord.
next hymn is one that many of you probably haven't heard simply because uh, most of the choir had not heard it. <laughs> but uh, I believe God laid it on my heart to do this morning. It was written in 1905 by Jeannie Bain Wilson. Many people considered her the Fanny Crosby of the West in writing hymns. She wrote hundreds of published hymns in poetry. Join me now as we sing that hymn, Hold to God's Unchanging Hand. Stand, please. I guess we know we're the traditional service when we sing a 1905 song and it's new, right? <laughs> well, I enjoyed that song, Ronnie. Thank you. <laughs> you pick out great songs, and I, <laughs> I, I appreciate the music Ronnie picks and the choir sings, and um, I want us to to pray, and um, one thing I forgot is um, Jerry Burns will share with me. He's a, one of our Gideons, and the price of the Gideon Bibles has doubled this year. And so, um, if you would be happy to give to the Gideons, there are envelopes. There's ways you can do it through the church. You could just in the offering plate write a check to 
uh, and, and, and attach it to the Gideons um, so that we can be able to give to them and support their ministry and getting Bibles to people. And I want us to pray, but today I'd really like for us as a church to pray for Steve Waddell, um, Pam's husband. He's having problems, as you know, with um, his small intestine. And if that doesn't work, um, the body doesn't work. There's nothing they can do for it. And we need a miracle of God. And so I would just ask you, to join me in praying for Steve. He's home, but, um, but pray for him and pray for Pam as, as they go through these days. And we come to a father who is able. Amen? No matter what our problems, we have a God who is able. And so let's go to him. And I just want to ask you, if you spend just a few moments, and then I'll lead us, just pray for Pam and Steve and pray specifically that Steve's um, small intestine would begin to work as it should. And we've been praying for a little Camille baby. She's got some, um, some infection in her blood from the surgery, and she needs our prayers. God, we come before you, we thank you that even when we feel like we're losing our grip trying to hold on to you, you never lose yours. You put us in your hand and no one can snatch us out. And we know, God, that you are an all-powerful God. We know your ways are different than our ways. You do things that we do not understand and we trust you. But you've also told us to cast our cares upon you. So, God, we come. We are burdened with, with Steve and his health and Pam. And we just ask, God, that, that you would be with him, that you would do such a work that everyone around would know that it was you. I thank you for his doctor. And, Lord, I know that he's a follower of yours. And I ask, Father, that that you would be with him and give him wisdom, but it would seem that this is a place that we need your hand to move, and we ask God that you would do that. We pray for Camille. Lord, I pray for um, Landon and Braylon as they have been night after night in the hospital with their infant, their baby. We just pray, God, you would clear her blood and keep it from going to the valve, and, and God, that she would be able to come home and be strong and grow in you. Be with Kim and Jonathan and the other grandparents and bless them, God. You know the other needs in this room. There are many. You know the needs that we have as a state, as a nation. The things that are going on in our world with, even now, with Russia and Ukraine and with Israel and Gaza and, and all the things that are happening. We just lift them to you, Father, and pray that you would move in those situations and that your gospel would spread. That your, your peace would come over people through your gospel. And as we come to your word today, we ask that you would change our hearts. Help us, Lord, to walk in your spirit today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 through 23. I'm so thankful for you as a church. I, I, I hear... Testimony after testimony, when people go through these type of things that we're talking about, the, that the church provides meals and takes care of them, and, and, and Sunday school classes do that, and, and thank you for the way that you care for and love on our folks. I appreciate it. Colossians 2, 16 through 23. If you're able, I invite you to stand and honor the reading and the preaching of God's Word. Paul says, Therefore... Let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind, 
and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits or elemental principles of the world, why as if you were still alive in the world do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You can be seated. If you go back to chapter 2, verse 8, you see that Paul says, See to it that no one takes you captive by empty philosophy, and it, or by human philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental principles, elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And what he says is the problem with philosophy and, and, and empty deceit, human philosophy and empty deceit, is in verse 9, is that in Christ, the whole fullness of deity dwells. So if you remember, his point was, why go after human philosophy and empty deceit when you can go after the one who is full of the deity of Christ? You can go after the one who lives inside of you. You can go after the one who made the world. In 9 verses 15, God shows us that Christ is superior to the false teachers. He shows us who we are in him. The, the fullness of our spiritual experience is, is to be found in Christ. In our being in Christ and in Christ being in us. That union that we have with him. In our text, Paul turns his attention back to the false teachers. If you'll notice in verse 8, he tells them, don't let anyone take you captive. In verse 16, don't let them judge you. And then in verse 18, don't let anyone disqualify you. So, so really there are three driving statements here that, that start three of the different verses. And these three driving statements run what we're going to talk about today. Let's look at them real quick again. At the beginning of verse 16, therefore let no one pass judgment on you. Secondly, verse 18, let no one disqualify you. And in verse 20, if with Christ or since with Christ you died. Those are really the three driving statements that he, that he has. And, and, and each phrase will introduce a false teaching or an aspect of the false teaching. So Paul has these three phrases. They drive what he's saying. And each of the phrases introduce an aspect of the false teaching, and he follows that aspect of false teaching with a truth that combats it. So that's how we're going to look at this passage. We're going to look at these phrases, look at the false teaching, and then see Paul's answer to that false teaching. Several people use the exact same outline in many different, in many different commentaries. I don't know who did it, so I'm just going to say I'm borrowing from all of them, okay? And, and, and we're going to look at it. Here's the first thing. When you look at verses 16 and 17, you see the warning against legalism. The warning against legalism. Look at verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. We hear a lot about legalism. What is it? Legalism is basically what man can do for God. It's centered in what we can do, what we should do, what, what we are supposed to do to, to be right with God. It, it's a trap that we can easily fall into. Now, from the wording of this, it would seem that the false teachers were Jewish in their background. They were the ones that Paul deals with all the way through his letters. They're Judaizers. 
They're the ones who are coming back behind. We see it in Galatians. If you want to read specifically about them, Galatians 4, 8, to 8 through 21 deals in detail with, with the Judaizers and the false teachings of, of those who are coming back in, who are coming to the Gentiles and saying, having Jesus isn't enough. You've now got to keep the laws. And, and Paul says it in, in Galatians 4, 9 through 11. He says, but now you've come to know God, or rather to be known by God. How can you turn back again to weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? We've seen that phrase. Whose slaves you want to be once more. You observe days and months and seasons and years. Look at what Paul says. I'm afraid I've labored over you in vain. They're going back to the works. They were saved by grace, but they're going back to works. They're going back to trying to earn what God has given to them. The false teachers were coming in again and saying, Jesus is not enough. You, you need to keep the law. And it really centered in two things. If you just want to write these down, diets and days. Nothing wrong with diets. I'm on one, okay? Coats are fitting better again. Few years, few months, I might wear suits that, that, that I hadn't worn in years. And it's not because I got a raise. It's just they're still waiting in the closet for me to put on them, okay? Diets are good, but not when you're trying to do it to earn, to earn God's favor. Look at it. He says food and drink. That's the diet. Days, festivals, new moons, or Sabbath. That's the Old Testament ceremonial law. They're reintroducing the dietary laws and the ceremonial days and the feast and saying, if you want to be right with Jesus, you've got to keep those things. If you want to be right with God, you've got to do that. You've got to do it and earn it and keep it. That's legalism. And they were introducing that legalism into grace. Well, in verse 17, Paul has an answer to that. Look what he says. These are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. Look at those two words. Shadow and substance. The word substance is soma, which is the word for body. We, we've seen this word already in Colossians, uh, the body of Jesus, and he, he refers to it as a church. In, in chapter 1, verse 18, the word is, is used, he's the head of the body, the church. In 124, for, for the sake of his body, that is the church. So what Paul is saying is this, is, is if you think of it, Jesus is the substance, and the shadow is what falls from the substance. The shadow is, is, is not the substance, it's Jesus is the substance. Jesus is the substance, and the law is a shadow uh, that's pointing to him. And what he's saying is, why go back to the shadow when you have the one from whom the shadow falls? Why? Why work in the shadow realm when you can live in the substance? You, you can't go back to keeping the law and expect to find life from that which only pointed to Jesus. There are aspects of the law we still keep, yes. We still keep the moral law. Jesus taught on that extensively in the, in, in, in the Sermon on the Mount. We, we do it, but we don't keep those things to, to be saved. We're saved by grace. And we live out of those things as we walk in obedience to Christ. What's the answer to, to legalism? The answer to legalism is, is grace. It's grace. That's what we find in verses 13 through 15. It's all by His grace. And only in Him can we grow. Only in Christ can we, can we grow. And so we see the warning against legalism. The answer to legalism is grace. But then we see a second warning. It's a warning in verses 18 and 19 against mysticism. 
a warning against mysticism. What's mysticism? Just in elementary terms, mysticism is the pursuit of deeper things. Now, that's not bad. It's not bad to pursue deeper things. It's not bad to, to pursue a deeper relationship with God and to know the truths of God. But the problem with mysticism is that it is a pursuit of deeper things apart from the Word of God. We see it all around us. Christians who continue to dabble in Buddhism. Christians who dabble in, in Eastern cult and Eastern religion and Eastern prayer practices and, and they're, they're trying to, to get into this mysticist, mystic, mysticism that, that points them to a deeper relationship with God, but they're doing it apart from the Word of God. Look at what Paul says. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by a sensuous mind. Now just look at that. Let no one disqualify you. It's an interesting word there. It's, it's basically this. Let no one be your umpire. We're familiar with umpires. He's saying, don't let anyone else be your umpire. Don't let them judge you and try to say that you're not a genuine Christian because you don't play according to their rules. Do you remember? Do you remember the, the folks that, that say, well, you're not a genuine Christian because you do that? Or because you do this? And Paul says, don't let people umpire you. Let the Word of God be your umpire. Let the Holy Spirit be your umpire. I outsiders don't get to lay down the rules for salvation. The Word of God does that. The Bible lays it down. And it tells us that we are saved by grace through faith and not by works that any man should boast. They, what do they do? They, well, they try to umpire. They try to say, well, here are the rules. And they set up rules outside of what the Scripture says. Secondly, they, they insist on asceticism. Now, that word there is almost always translated as, as humility. But the translators are taking what Paul says in verse 23 about severity to the body, and they're making an interpretation. They're trying to show you how they're trying to humble themselves. The, the false teachers are literally trying to go low with a false humility. Look at us. We, we treat the body as bad. We, we conquered the body. We, it's the Pharisees who, who split their robes and let everybody know with ashes that, that they were doing this or that or, or walking through and make sure that everybody know because they didn't comb their hair that day that they were fasting. Jesus says, don't do that. Don't let anybody know. We saw this morning, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing. Make sure that you do what you do for the glory of God. And so we find them. They, they're trying to go low. They're trying to deny the body as if the body were bad. Now, the flesh that dominates us is bad. But this, the body was created by God. It's good. And we should take care of it and, and, and care for it. They also, they, he says, they insist on the worship of angels. They insist on the worship of angels. What a thought to worship a created being over the creator. We've already talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but every time in the scriptures where you see a man fall down before an angel, the angels always say, don't do that. Don't do that. Worship God. I want to say to you, run from those who worship and pray to angels. I would add to that, and I don't want to be offensive, but run from those who pray to saints. Run from those who pray to Mary. It is not of Scripture. Why would we worship angels when we can worship the one who is the head, who is the head of the body, who, who the fullness of deity dwells? We worship Jesus, and we come by grace. They they insist on visions. You, you can turn on TV preachers today and hear a lot about their visions. 
But I'm wondering, and many people have wondered about this particular type of vision, is that maybe the visions were coming from the denial of self. It's maybe the, the denial of food and water to the body, the buffeting the body and doing it and putting it through these ascetic principles or patterns and, and the worship of angels were leading to the visions. Someone said it's maybe, maybe like the Native Americans who would, who would go into the sweat lodges and fast and deny themselves until they had these visions of the spirit world. It might have been what's going on here. That they're denying themselves and they're having these visions and then they're coming out saying, listen to my vision. I had a vision of God. I had a vision of this. I had a vision of that. Somebody comes to you with a vision that's outside of the Word of God. That's not of God. Someone comes to you and says, I had a vision that this happened and it's outside of what the Bible teaches. This chalk it up to a bad taco the night before. I'm serious. The Word of God is our pattern. I'm not saying God doesn't give us visions. I'm not saying God doesn't give us dreams. I'm not saying an angel can't appear to you and speak to you. But I can tell you this. If any angel comes to you it demands worship of you, it is not of God. And if any vision comes to you and tells you to do something outside the Word of God, it is not of God. We need discernment. He says they're puffed up without reason by their sensuous minds. That's where mysticism leads. It tries to grow deeper into the things of God apart from the Word of God, and it ends up generating things apart from Christ and apart from His Spirit, and it leads to things that I can boast about of what I did. And that's not Christianity. Christianity is not a boast. Christianity is an awe-inspired response to the grace of God. Paul has an answer to mysticism. He says, hold fast to the head. Hold fast to Christ. The head is something we've already seen. He, he mentions it here in our text. And he says in chapter 1, verse 18, Jesus is the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. If you're worshiping angels, Christ is not preeminent. If you're praying to saints, Christ is not preeminent. We come through Christ. He's the head of the body. He is the focal point of what we do. In chapter 2, verse 10, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. There's that rule and authority again. Why worship the things that, that he's over? Why worship the angels? He's over the angels. Why worship the creation? He's over the creation. Why worship man? He's over man. Come straight to the head. He's the source of our filling. He's the source of our growth, and we see it in our text. Look at again at what he says here. He, he's the source of our growth. He says, he says, the whole body, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. When we don't hold fast to the head, we become headless monsters. And so we hang on to the head. We hang on to him, and he's the one. Listen. We have no further to go than Jesus. No deeper a depth than Jesus. No higher a peak than Jesus. 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 He is the head. And then in verses 20 through 23, we find not a warning, but I just term it this way. The answer to it all. The answer to it all. If you'll look with me in verses 20 through 23, let's read it and then go back and look at it together. If with Christ you died, now I don't like the ESV's translation there. It, we're going to see it again. I like 
since with Christ you died. Since with Christ you died, till elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Here, Paul, he describes, he describes legalism and asceticism. He, he, he says they've got rules. Don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. So that's the food and drink. Of verse 16. He says, they got rules. Now, aren't you glad Baptists have never had those kind of rules? We, we've never been ones that are guilty of saying, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch, have we? There's so much I want to say right now. I'm trying to use my filter, but I want to say this. How in the world can we convince people that you're going to go to hell if you drink what Jesus drank? How can we, how can we take the things that are of the Scriptures and say you're going to hell if you do those things? I'm not a... You're not, if you're a buggy inspector at Publix, you're not going to see wine in my buggy, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. But I don't care if someone does. I know you may think that's terrible. But we add legalism. My grandmother grew up in the day that they thought she was going to hell because she danced. And there's dancing in the Bible. I'm so glad that one of the things we did when I first got here is that we lifted the regulation that you could not dance in our NPR at a wedding reception. Imagine. Uh, I'm going to quit. Aren't you glad? <laughs> but Paul, he, he gives us five weaknesses to the false teachings. Now, Five weaknesses, and, I, and then I'm going to show you the answer, okay? In verse 20, he says, the elemental spirits of the world. Again, we've looked at that. We saw it in verse 8. Elemental spirits is better translated like it was in Galatians. The basic, it's a word that means the basic fundamentals of any subject. That's why we have elementary school. It's the basic fundamentals of any subject. And so I, I think... It should be better, the, the elemental principles of the world. And here's the, th here's the weakness. What they're teaching is just elementary. Somewhere along the line, you've got to grow. Somewhere along the line, you, you get beyond just the little nitpicky things and you begin to grow in your faith. Legalism and asceticism and mysticism and any other ism that points to depth apart from God, apart from the Word of God and apart from Jesus is worldly. Elementary principles of the world. They're just worldly. Well, what's wrong with that? Verse 22, referring to things that perish as they are used. It's perishable. They're fussing and fighting over things that perish. It's like fussing and fighting over an apple that's going to perish. It's perishable. And look at what he says there. They're just human according to human precepts. You remember what Paul says in another place? They're just merely human. We're not about those things. We're about the things of the Spirit. Yes, we live it out in the human world. But he says it's just elementary. It's just human. 
it's man. It's man-centered. It's, it's from man and by man. And in other words, man dreams it up, and then man puts it to practice, and then a man accomplishes it, and man boasts about it. When I walked out of Malaysia's Islamic temple, Islamic mosque, I told you already, I was talking about their prayer and their fasting and all the things they were doing. And the missionary from the IMB said, John, they, they've got piety down. Islam's a man-made religion. Dreamed up by man, written down by man, practiced by man, done by man, and man can brag about what he does. That's not Christianity. He says it's just human. It's, it's just elementary. And then he says... It has the appearance of wisdom, but it's self-made. It's, it's self-made. It has the appearance in, in, of wisdom in promoting self-made. It's religions apart from Christianity are about what you can do for God, but, but Christianity is about what God has done for you. Now, yes, there are works that come out of that, but you're never doing those to earn favor with God. You already have favor with God. You're not doing them to earn your eternity. You already have eternity settled. You're doing it because the Spirit's inside of you. And then he says this. He says, but here's the key of it all, but there are no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Maybe you could say Osama bin Laden was the poster boy of Islam. But when they killed him, they found pornography on his computers. Making women dress the way they dress in Islam doesn't keep them from lust. Praying all those times didn't keep them from those actions. It just doesn't work. So what does work? How can we be right with God? How can we grow in Him? Really, the answer is back in verse 20. I already told you that, that, that I like the, the word since with Christ you died. ESV is right in the word if, but the principle I think is since with Christ you died. And then if you go all the way back to verse 16, there's that little word therefore. I didn't say anything about that word therefore. I think in this case that therefore points backwards and forward. In verses 13 through 15... Everything we saw last week drives into the therefore. Because we've been made alive, because we've been forgiven, because the record of debt has been canceled, because it's been set aside and because it's been nailed to the cross, because he disarmed the rulers and because he disarmed the authorities on the cross, and, and we've now been buried with him and been made alive with him because of that, don't let anyone pass judgment on you. Don't let anyone hold over you guilt that God's already forgiven. You're judged in Jesus. And I want you to hear me. You're judged in Jesus and found righteous with the righteousness of Christ. Satan's a liar. You're judged in Jesus. You and I, if we're in Christ, are qualified in Jesus. No one else can disqualify you. The great judge has qualified you. There's no condemnation for you if you're in Christ. That, therefore, is driven into by those things. But it also turns around then from that and drives our text Everything he says comes out of that. It all flows. That's why I keep coming back to context. We've got to keep the context. Therefore, since you died with Christ, he says you also died to the world's claim on you. You died to the world's judgment of you. You died to the principles of this world. You see, next week we'll see not only since you died with Christ, but we'll see next week since you've been raised with Christ. We've been raised with him. So here it is. The one who saved you is your Lord. The one who saved you brings you into his body. 
He's the head. Look to him. Look to him. Look to him for all things and grow in him. Don't look to man-made rules. Don't, don't chase, please hear me, don't chase after the newest experience. Just grow in your walk with God. It's really quite simple and quite profound. Just stay in the word, learn to pray, be with God's people, continue to worship, continue to grow and watch your roots grow deep in him and you'll grow in prayer and you'll grow in the word and you grow in your love for God and you grow in your obedience and he builds you up in him with the church and you grow in the fellowship of the body of Christ and then he teaches you through his spirit, through his word, through the preaching and teaching and you grow. The answer, the answer is this. It's, it's in our union with Christ. The answer is in our union with Christ. It's, it's not that I follow the latest, latest teacher's rules. It's not that I jump into the latest practice, even if it's packaged under some old thing. It's not in anything outside of the Word of God, outside of the Spirit of God outside of our relationship with Jesus. Amen? Let me ask you to bow your heads. I don't have to ask you if, if you have any legalism, because we all do. Unfortunately, legalism has been the DNA of our denomination for years. And then on the other side of that, there are those with the DNA of mysticism. Legalism makes us feel good about ourselves because it lets us boast. Remember what Paul said, if I'm to boast, I'll boast in this, I'll boast in the cross. There are things that are sinful for you. There are things you cannot do that others might be able to do. And what I mean is you may have a propensity to alcoholism. You may have a struggle with that. You can't drink one. You, you end up drinking 20. Then don't do it. But there may be those who could drink that one. There may be those who, who can do other things. They, they were blessed by God with a metabolism that I'm not blessed with, and, and they can eat things that I can't eat. We have to be careful with legalism. Father, I just pray that you speak to us now. I know there's so many ways that Satan can move in and twist everything I've said. I know you expect holiness. I know you want us to work. But I'm thankful that our works come from salvation and they don't earn salvation. We're saved by grace alone, but that grace is never alone. It, it comes with work. We know that. But even that work is done in your spirit. We can't do it on our own. We need you. We are totally dependent upon you, Holy Spirit. And so I pray that you would speak to us and protect us now and let the word go down deep. And if there is legalism, if there is mysticism in us, may we root it out through your spirit follow your word and grow in you, Jesus, our head. Speak to us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. If God's calling you to do something public, Tim and I'll be here to help you with that.
I know when I say some of the things I said today, I stir some folks up. I'm going to go home today and go by my dad's house. He's doing much better. And he's going to have listened to this, and he's listening to it now, and he's going to tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) Because he believes that Jesus made grape juice and not wine. Ask Ed. He's a Greek scholar. Grace. Grace. Doesn't mean you have to drink. Doesn't mean you have to do those things. You let the Holy Spirit guide you. I um, I'll just close with this. I know it's time. You, some of you heard this. Two pastor friends of mine, you know them. We went to the Jack Daniels Distillery. I saw a show about it, and I thought it'd be neat to see. So we just spent a day trip and went to it. And we walked all the way through it and saw everything and. And they had a reservation for us at Sister Mary Bobo's, which is a restaurant there. And when we got there, they were waiting on us. It was a family-sized meal. And, and the lady said, um, we understand you're ministers. And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, um, what denomination? And I said, what? I said, today we're Episcopalians. <laughs> <laughs> Church, I love you. I do. I love you. And I just want to encourage you to uh, let the scriptures be your God. (laughs) Make sure Jen knows that I said, (laughs) make sure she knows that. But we're glad you're here. Please stay and be a part of Sunday school. Tim will be in the foyer. Go ahead and make his way. Dr. Gold and Ronnie and I will be at the doors. We can help you in any way that we can. Sign up for Wednesday night meals by 2 o'clock tomorrow, please. God bless you. Take care.